ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome my 294th ever show of all around sports reach monday at 1 p.m eastern time we broadcast live from boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week to join the show the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net as always i will give you my highlights lowlights and bizarre news items from the past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was Penn State finally proving that they are a a top team and belong in the uh, top four rankings when the CFP comes out uh, in a couple weeks, as long as they beat Ohio State. But Anyway, they belonged. Uh, they proved they belonged in the picture with their blowout of Michigan on Saturday night. It was a blowout from the start with Saquon Barkley running 69 yards on the second play from scrimmage to whip an already frenzied crowd into a bigger frenzy. They followed that right up with another touchdown, uh, also a Saquon run uh, off a pass of about 20, 25 yards. And then they ended it with uh, the offense still cranking, and uh, they had 42 points and were clearly trying to reach the, the same 49 that Michigan laid on them last year. So it was quite a scene with the whiteout on a Saturday night in State College, Pennsylvania, half an hour from where I grew up. And it was a record-breaking crowd of 110,800 and just really uh, a night to remember from State College, to put it mildly. It drew huge ratings, no surprise. And Michigan, to their credit, after being just uh, hit with a couple of haymakers that I just mentioned at the beginning of the game, uh, made an interception and quickly got back in the game. I think it was 14-13. And then Penn State finally pulled away uh, as the second half rolled along. Quarterback Trace McSorley again showed he is simply a winner. He does it with his legs, and he certainly did that on Saturday night. Does it with his arm, as he proved, uh, with numerous passes, especially to Tayshawn Hamilton. And... uh, and it was just, uh, and tight end Mike Gusecki. And really just uh, a fabulous game to watch. It really was. And uh, wonderful memories watching from Beaver Stadium. ESPN College Game Day was there on Saturday morning for the first time since 2009 or before the scandal. And uh, so Penn State football uh, took a large leap to uh, restoring Penn State pride and getting back in the national picture on the national stage. They, of course, did a lot of that last year, and uh, especially with the 
famous block kick against Ohio State. And now look who's coming up this Saturday, none other than Ohio State in Columbus at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, could be the game of the year. Really could be. Uh, and speaking of Ohio State, uh, I had the good fortune of seeing them in person in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, nine days ago. I was out in, uh, in Nebraska, and it was a bucket list item to attend a game at uh, the Cornhuskers Memorial Stadium. Every game has been sold out since something like 1961. I think it was their 360th straight sellout. Uh, not their best game. Ohio State just blew them out. There's no other way to say it. Uh, so the funnest part of the game was the pregame and uh, just seeing Cornhusker fans. What an absolutely devoted fan base, friendly. Met just tons and tons of nice people out there in Nebraska, and it was really uh, a special night, to say the least, uh, until the game started. Ohio State quickly ran it up to 28 nothing, and basically half the stadium emptied out uh, around halftime, which is something that I'm guessing hasn't happened more than once or twice in the past 360 games, dating back many decades. Uh, but that is what happened. I was there to witness that, so in a weird way, it was historical, but for all the wrong reasons from the Cornhusker point of view. But... Glad I went. It was really tremendous when they, uh, when the Cornhuskers come out of the tunnel. It is truly a sight to behold. There was 90,000 fans there and uh, in the heartland and really just a special, special night and day, uh, to put it mildly. Well, my bizarre story of the week was watching Fog Bowl 2 last night as the New England Patriots became the New England Patriots again by dominating the Falcons. And they certainly showed that the Super Bowl comeback was no fluke. Just took a little longer to dominate uh, in the Super Bowl last year. But once they did, they started something that continued into last night. At one point, uh, from when they were down 28-3 in the Super Bowl with two minutes left in the third quarter, through the fourth quarter of last night, they had outscored the Falcons 48 to nothing, as NBC was showing pretty constantly uh, on a Sunday night football. And uh, so it was really quite, quite a big day up here with the Super Bowl rematch, which was simply a mismatch. Uh, I've been seeing for months 28 to 3 t shirts that they sell over at Patriot Place, the shopping area adjacent to Gillette Stadium. And certainly they were prominent last night, but there was road signs uh, leading up to the stadium saying 28 to 3. Uh, obviously signs in the stadium, many people wearing the T-shirts. And uh, so it was really just a classic Patriot victory to reestablish and show the whole nation and certainly the Falcons exactly who they are. Obviously, Brady played great, Tom Brady, but it was all about the defense. 
Didn't know until last night they were the first team in NFL history to allow six straight 300-yard passers against them. And oddly enough, it was the first six games of the year. So for the first time this year, they held a team under uh, 300 yards. And they were just uh, men on a mission, obviously. And uh, I, I mentioned the Fog Bowl. That was just uh, bizarre as it rolled in last night in the second half. And uh, I was at the Fog Bowl, the original Fog Bowl in Foxborough in 1997. Patriots played the Steelers in a playoff game. The person I went with sent me a text last night as the fog rolled in, uh, reminding me of the game that we went to in 1997, which I would, would never forget. That's a game where Curtis Martin ran wild. Uh, I think he uh, had a long run on like the second play of the game to uh, lead the Patriots' victory. And so a lot of memories. That was in the old stadium, of course. But that was just crazy to watch uh, that on TV last night, to say the least. As for the Falcons, they're in trouble. They've got a tough couple games coming up. They clearly don't seem to be the team that they were last year. And uh, so they got a lot of work to do. And speaking of teams in trouble, the Denver Broncos are in big trouble, it appears, as well. And they also have a tough schedule coming up. So we shall see how it pans out for uh, uh, two of the top teams from last year. My low light of the week was the injuries to likable old war horses, Carson Palmer, quarterback of the Cardinals, broke his arm over in London, and Joe Thomas, uh, offensive tackle extraordinaire, who had played 10,000-plus snaps in a row since he started in the National Football League as a rookie in 2007. So that was sad to see. My NFL player engagement story of the week that I wrote on the Jared Mayo, James White, Mayo Bowl. I talked about it the last couple of weeks on the show. The story is now posted at NFLPlayerEngagementOneWord.com. And oh, by the way, as an aside, uh, I'm loving speaking of my player engagement stories. I had written a story on Patriot receiver Chris Hogan last year, and great to see him uh, introducing himself on Sunday Night Football as Penn State Lacrosse. Of course, my story is about him being a lacrosse player at Penn State before he went to Monmouth for a senior year, played football, ended up in the NFL, and we all know the rest of the story. And, of course, the World Series is now set, Dodgers and Astros. Saturday night was great watching Penn State, but flipping back and forth at commercials to the Game 7 Yankees-Astros game, which was excellent. And in my trip out to the Midwest, where I saw Nebraska-Ohio State, I also Made it over to Chicago, and Tuesday afternoon, went over to soak up some Chicago Cubs Wrigley Mania, and it was just fantastic. Uh, Walked around the famous friendly confines, and just the pregame, the devotion, it was like I was transported in a time machine back to Fenway 2004-2005. When the Red Sox had just broken the curse, and there was a frenzy back then, 
but the Chicago Cub fans, obviously friendly people. Everybody in Chicago is friendly, it seems. And uh, just a great afternoon and evening. Uh, did not go in the game, but was literally right beside it, less than 100 yards, if that, from Wrigley Field, able to hear the crowd. Kyle Schwarber's first inning home run in game three to get him going. But ultimately, they lost that game, won the next night uh, to avoid the sweep, but then got blown out on Thursday night. But seeing uh, being at Wrigley for uh, Chicago Cubs mania, of course, coming after last year when they broke their 108-year curse was just, again, like the Nebraska-Ohio State game, a bucket list item. And it was just a terrific, terrific sports trip out to the Midwest. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-888. 346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, great, John. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, our pleasure as always. And uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, well, you saw... Quite a game on Saturday, uh, which was, of course, Alabama, as predicted, taking care of Tennessee by a score of 45-7, to 7, I believe, and, uh, and a lot of the hoopla coming out of that game or the, in the aftermath, of course, was the Tennessee player uh, giving the sign, shall we say, to the Alabama fans, which got a lot of chatter afterwards. I, yeah, I think he was telling them that Alabama was number one. Right. There you go. We'll just leave it at that. Let's just say it 
did uh, generate a lot of conversation. But, you know, Alabama, as expected, uh, dominated pretty much. Uh, and Tennessee and certainly their coach, Butch Jones, seems to be on the hottest of hot seats, uh, maybe the hottest seat in all of college football. But uh, Alabama, looking good and taking care of business, right? Oh, yeah, they, John, they're very strong. They really have been focused this season, just just overpowering all the opponents. I mean, A&M gave them that close ball game on the road, but Tennessee, this was the 11th time consecutive game Alabama has beat Tennessee. John, that ties the record for a coach. Nick Saban has beat Tennessee 11 times, and Coach Bryant beat Tennessee 11 times as well. And I just never thought I'd see the day somebody asked me before uh, about the point spread being 36. I said I never thought I'd see the day that it was it was 18. Right, and you never thought you'd see the day when a Tennessee team was uh, a 36-point underdog. But that happened. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. you know, it's, uh, you know... How 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 the mighty have fallen. Uh, they simply won't tolerate that too long. I mean, to a certain degree, I would venture to say from the Tennessee point of view that being a 36-point underdog and actually lose is maybe as insulting as the actual loss by more than 36. Just the fact that they would be regarded that way is, uh, you know, that's as low as it gets for Tennessee fans, I think. Yeah, John, I think I had this discussion last week. Uh, somebody asked me about Tennessee. I said, well, in years past, I mean, they had great linebackers, you know, in the 60s and 70s and uh, right. fantastic wide receivers. And uh, then they had a stretch of running backs. And then there was the had quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and T. Martin and, and those type of players. But what is the identity of Tennessee? So when you're evaluating Bush Jones, I'm asking myself, are are we on the ascent or the descent? And, you know, what is our identity? I, I have no idea what, if somebody poses that question to me about the volunteers. Yeah, and, you know, they're just a proud program. What can you say? I mean, from Johnny Majors to Bobby Majors to, you know, I saw Tennessee uh, play in the swamp, Florida, at Florida Field decades ago. It was unforgettable. And, uh you know, I also saw him play once at Boston College. Uh, you know, they're uh, royalty in college football. And, you know, Nayland Stadium is a bucket list stadium to go to and uh, 100,000 plus. And, yeah, so they've fallen on hard times. And, you know, I, I don't know what happened because it felt like Butch Jones really had it going in the right direction. But now it seems to have suddenly... Uh, and quickly fallen apart. Um, we both know him from the from covering the American Athletic Conference. He was a coach there, and very intense to say the least. And uh, you know, so uh, Tom, shall we say, in the Tom Coughlin, Bill Parcells mode. And uh, but yeah, he again falling on tough times. But you know. When you go up against Alabama, they can make anybody look bad. And Alabama is the opposite of tough times. They're just on an epic, epic roll that is now 
what, six, seven years in AP, if not further? Ten years in, maybe, would be a better way of saying it? Yeah, this is his 11th year, believe it or not. I always said if he stayed for seven, if he got him going in the right right direction, that would be great. He's uh, overwhelmed me with his, with his ability to keep it going for so long. He really is. He really is. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have had long runs in college football, but I don't know that anybody has uh, put together a decade like Nick Saban has put together. And certainly, you know, it's just, it seems to be getting stronger and stronger. I mean, for you, covering Bama and for me, you know, covering the Patriots, uh, we're both, you know, covering two of the greatest dynasties in the history of sports. And what we both witness every week is sports history in the making, to say the least. Yeah, and the the connection is strong. Uh, Two Croatian coaches are just tearing it up in America. (laughs) There you go. That's a good good <laughs> analogy there on the uh, on the nationality. Right. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. Uh, well, I'm sure it was. Uh, so it was Saturday evening, right? Uh, it was like a five o'clock start time. Oh, it was actually the two thirty Central Time game, CBS, John. So it went into the early evening, and oh, it was okay. a good crowd. It was, it, yeah, it was beautiful weather, and uh, you know Tennessee brought their band and. I always like to hear Rocky Top. You know, actually, Alabama plays that all week during practice. And I remember Antonio Langham, the former defensive back at Alabama All-American, Jim Thorpe winner. He said he he thought the tune was kind of catchy, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like hearing those great college fight songs. And yeah. No doubt about it. I'm, I'm sure, again, you, you know, even with their struggles, when Tennessee comes to town, it gets your attention. It just does. They're that much of a college football blue blood. And speaking of blue bloods, uh, I mentioned at the in the first segment that I uh, had a bucket list college football experience uh, over the last weekend, not this weekend, uh, when I attended the Ohio State Nebraska game at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. 359th, I believe, straight sellout. Goes back to like 1961. <laughs> and AP, it was as good as advertised uh, up until the kickoff. Um, but it was just so nice. We went to uh, a hotel literally right beside the stadium and uh, before the game, for the afternoon. It was a night game and thousands of people, no exaggeration, just hanging out the weather was okay not great not sunny uh you know a little bit of drizzle here and there so good day to go inside as opposed to tailgating but it was just uh a a truly spectacular atmosphere and uh and then going into the stadium 90,000 strong and seeing uh the tunnel the Cornhuskers come out of the tunnel was just awesome and the crowd was was juiced you know hosting Ohio State, and uh, but they're having a bad year, and it all, frankly, just bottomed out before our very eyes. Um, Ohio State ran up to a quick 20, 28-0 lead, which I think was literally in the first quarter, certainly 21 nothing. Right. So basically half the stadium emptied out AP uh, by at halftime. And, you know... Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that hasn't happened but once or twice in the past 360 games. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was disbelief. It was bottoming out. 
but you know, in 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 a weird way, it was like in its own way, you know, like negative sports history, shall we say, for Nebraska fans. Uh, you know, the program's been declining and in trouble, as is the coach Mike Riley. And again, it just all bottomed out. It was a sight I'll never forget. Um, unfortunately, it was kind of the take home because you couldn't avoid it. Of again, half of Memorial Stadium emptying out at halftime. It was incredible to witness, but can't blame them. It was, I forget what it was then. It might have been 35 nothing at halftime, if not worse. Uh, it was time to leave. What else can you say? So uh, the next day, just listening to Nebraska sports talk radio, getting the Omaha newspaper. Uh, they actually hired an athletic director the next day. It was in my interpretation of that. They'd gotten rid of their athletic director a few weeks back. The guy who brought in Mike Riley, but AP, it was so bad that, you know, they had to do something like within 24 hours of that game. And they did, you know, they literally hired a new athletic director from Washington state as in Mike Leach's school. Uh, the next afternoon it was all, you know, it was all anybody was talking about, as you can imagine out in Nebraska, it, Football doesn't get any bigger anywhere than in the state of Nebraska. It is truly the only game in town. Yeah, John, it's amazing. I understand, you know, you, not every year you can come out on the the uh, plus side in the win column, but to drop where you can't compete, that that's the the strange part of the the, the program, how they've, they've uh, you know, eroded over the years. I mean, I don't understand how you can one day you're competing for championships and then the next thing you're, you're having trouble scoring points at home. I know that's the big thing at home. You know, uh, obviously I would have liked to have seen a better game in the same light. It was just a tremendous experience. Uh, I was in Omaha, you know, into the early afternoon. My hotel was, loaded with both Ohio State and Nebraska fans, the energy on the streets of Omaha, an hour away from Lincoln, was spectacular. I mean, you felt like the game was going to be played somewhere in Omaha. It was that good. Um, but we still drove an hour, which was fun. And, you know, just seeing the traffic and just the growing energy. And then Lincoln, Omaha was great. First time there. Lincoln was great also. Uh couldn't have had a better weekend in Nebraska, and uh, again, uh, it was just fabulous uh, as the energy built and built throughout the day to literally a frenzy when they come out of the tunnel, and then unfortunately for the for the Huskers, it just all came crashing down on them immediately. I mean, Ohio State just took over within the first minute, and just that was that. What else can you say? So... A uh, memorable weekend, nonetheless, that's for sure. Uh, and, and glad I got there and something I would highly, highly recommend for any uh, college football fan, to say the least. Yeah, it's someplace I like to visit it, uh, along the way and see Nebraska play football. It's always been a bucket list spot for me, so maybe I'll be there sometime down the road. But there's just I have no doubts. Ter- terrible time and... Uh, 
Now, he's, he's, Bill Moose has got to make a big decision. He left his album out of Washington State. He played football there and was there since, I think, 2010. So, I mean, it must have been attractive to him to come to a place like Nebraska. It's similar in that Lincoln is kind of off the beaten path, you know, not like Pullman, of course, but uh, it's for football players nowadays, Lincoln, Nebraska is not one of the hotspots. It's not. It's not. And, uh, you know, the facilities were off the charts. The stadium, I literally walked right by the weight room. You know, we parked, you know, obviously a half mile or so away from the stadium. So we really got a good chance to walk through campus. And I was really impressed by simply the facilities. Not surprised. It's what I would have expected. You know, practice fields everywhere, it seemed. Just a beautiful, beautiful campus. And uh, so, you know, they have a lot in place and they have tradition uh, like Tennessee uh, that stretches back decades and decades. So they'll get it right. And everybody goes through these periods, but, uh, you know, they will get it right. And actually, I want to follow up on that. But why don't we take our first break now and uh, have some thoughts on the Nebraska situation and we'll talk about it after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888. 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we are talking some college football, Alabama, Tennessee, Nebraska, Ohio State. As I said in the previous segment, I was at the Nebraska-Ohio State game nine days ago in Lincoln, Nebraska, and... Uh, Given the thumping that Ohio State laid on them, uh, they they hired a new athletic director the next day. 
at Nebraska and AP, the name I heard most often during my visit, my weekend in Nebraska was the name of Scott Frost, former Husker quarterback and now current coach of the undefeated uh, University of Central Florida football team in Orlando. And it's amazing what he's done, AP. He's gone from, uh, he took over after they were 0-12 a mere two years ago. Took him to a bowl last year. Now he's undefeated. I was in Orlando a couple weeks back. There's a lot of energy uh, around the UCF program in Orlando. So, AP, uh, I think uh, that's the guy they want in Nebraska, and I got the feeling that's the guy they're going to get. I think it's a natural selection. He's born and raised in Nebraska. He went out to the West Coast, played at Stanford for a couple of years under Bill Walsh. Came back to Nebraska, won a championship under Tom Osborne as the quarterback. You know, John, he's, he's even coached, uh, been a defensive coordinator, believe it or not, at Northern Iowa. I mean, he's been on both sides of the football. Of course, he played some safety in the professional ranks. So, I mean, he's a well-rounded person to be a head coach. I mean, not everybody can say they've been on both sides of the football and had success. Uh, he can, he can um, you know, present that to recruits. I mean, he's in the home recruiting a defensive player. He can talk the lingo, offensive player. The, he, he knows the terminology and what the plan will be, for, you know, and the philosophy. So I, I think there's, there's no question that uh, there'll be a few flights to Orlando by the, the Nebraska folks. <laughs> I totally agree. That's great perspective on, uh, I wasn't aware of his defensive background. Certainly was aware of his offensive background. Uh, yeah, AP, you know, as I said earlier in the show, it was so bad, the beating that Ohio State laid on them and Lincoln that, you know, seeing the, reading the Omaha paper the next day, hearing the sport, listening to the sports talk, it was honestly, you know, you don't see this every time, very often. They had to do something literally that day, like that Sunday, the day after the game, nine, eight days ago. They, yeah. like, it couldn't even go till Monday. And sure enough, right. in what I would believe to be a highly, highly unusual circumstance, I'm driving around Omaha on Saturday, Sunday afternoon, seeing the city for the first time. And, you know, driving by Warren Buffett's house, by the way, <laughs> pretty cool, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. beautiful city, and also went to the College World Series Stadium. So wonderful city. I couldn't have been more impressed. I literally loved it. But, and right in the middle of NFL football Sunday, like two o'clock in the afternoon, I find myself uh, finding a radio station, and they're literally appointing and then holding a press conference with the brand new athletic director. They, they announced it on a Sunday afternoon. That's unheard of. If you think about it. I, yeah. But they I, had I to never, do something. Yeah. I mean, can't even wait till Monday. Like that's a big day. Monday's a big day. You can make that announcement and it'll carry on through the entire week. I mean, right. they, they couldn't even keep the lid on that. That's, um, that's, that gives you a, a sad picture of the situation in Lincoln, unfortunately. Well, it really does. And, and, and let me say this, you, you know, no surprise, Nebraska fans are nice. I mean, <laughs> they just don't come any nicer. And the loyalty and devotion to the Husker program stretching back forever is just off the charts, obviously. 
but it's you could make the case it's probably like no other, um, given that they maybe more than any other state represent, you know, the entire state and are in fact the only game in town and maybe the first thing that anyone would think of when you say the word Nebraska, you think football. You just do. More so maybe than any other school in any other state in America. Um, So, with all that said, uh, and that as a background, it was so bad in in the nice Nebraska way. It's not like I'd see uh, here in Boston. It'd be a little different, put it that way. Um, but that, that's how low it was in Nebraska that day, that that Saturday night at halftime, everybody leaving. It was just, it wasn't anger. It was different than what I've, I'm used to and seeing and hearing up in Boston. It was just something had to be done immediately and something was done literally whatever, 12, 14 hours later, <laughs> you know, on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, it was funny, AP. It was kind of surreal. I mean, you know, checking out the Patriots, yeah. and then we left watching that game, and off I go. I'm find, trying to find a radio station, and I come across this, and I'm like, what's this? I could tell it was a press conference, and they were talking Nebraska football, so I was instantly interested. And within a couple of minutes, it dawned on me what had been, what it had, you know, what they were doing, hiring a new athletic director and holding a press conference. And again, it was just surreal, like to see this ha- happening on a Sunday afternoon as I'm driving around Omaha, Nebraska. It was just really surreal. That is the word. So I wish them luck. You know, I, I'm now officially tied to the Huskers to a certain degree after my great experience there so i they, they will get it right and i, and I think the right answer is going to end up being scott frost certainly bill moose is the new ad appears to be a great hire from everything i've seen and heard including listening to him yeah and john i mean the current coach there mike riley you know he played at alabama you know he's on the team at least his uncle was hayden riley coached basketball and baseball there I mean, if there's the nice guy award in college football, Mike probably win it every year. I mean, it's, oh, no doubt about you know, it. You know, it's unfortunate that he couldn't turn things around in Nebraska. And I think one of the challenges in this day and age, uh, considering that Lincoln is not a hotspot for college football players, is now where, you know, what is your strategy to recruit? I mean, because they don't have enough players, and you know, everyone is on TV years ago. The reason you went to Lincoln, Nebraska, was because you were winning championships. I mean, if you're coming from New Jersey, is uh, uh, Rich Carver, Mike Mike Rozier, Irving Fryer. You're coming from Wisconsin, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Jerry Taggy. You're coming from Omaha, Johnny Rogers. You know, home state. That was a natural. You, you're coming from California. They used to get players from Texas and Louisiana and uh, Bradenton, Florida. Tommy Frazier, right? So that, yes. there was a. That there was a specific reason to say, okay, I'm going to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, where sometimes it's so cold I can't open the car door. <laughs> exactly. Well said, AP. Uh, you know, a pioneer in national recruiting. I think that's safe to say behind, obviously, Notre Dame, but not, but probably not behind too many others. Alabama's oh, obviously correct. there now. Um but Nebraska, you know, helped, uh, you know, 
toil that ground, to use a Nebraska type of term, given the farming background there. Uh, and yeah, so I, I, they'll get it done. And, you know, just back to Scott Frost and University of Central Florida, you know, let's also not forget that a mere hour away is Charlie Strong at the University of South Florida, obviously another American Athletic Conference school, undefeated. Uh, they're both in the top 20, needless to say. Um, so Charlie Strong and USF are undefeated. So this brings up my theory and something that you and I have discussed in recent years, I feel, and it's finally happening, which is the talent pool in Florida is so gigantic that you can fill, you know, not only the rosters of the Gators, the Seminoles, and, of course, the Hurricanes, keep them in the national picture, but now, you know, the, quote, leftovers, not a sign of disrespect, not a term of disrespect, but even, yeah. and then, oh, by the way, a lot of Florida players are going out across the nation, uh, making impact, speaking of national recruiting, and there's still so much talent there and it's finally taken hold to where Central Florida and South Florida are undefeated at the same time and in the top 20. So you and I have talked about this. I felt this for years that like this day was coming. I, and I say that because I remember when they both joined, you know, the American Athletic Conference. And I remember yeah. thinking like, oh, they're going to, you know, <laughs> they'll be great sooner rather than later and sooner has arrived. <laughs> Because it's not only sooner in Oklahoma, it's sooner in right. uh, the, the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So no surprise, AP, but wh what are your thoughts? you agree that that talent pool is just, it's endless, I guess is the word. Yeah, if you, if you uh, have the right coach in place and he can uh, recruit some of those players that are maybe on the cusp of being, uh, you know, taking a scholarship from Florida State or Florida, Miami, you can make hay in that league and across the country. I mean, Central Florida, South Florida, you even look at Memphis. Now, Memphis is 6-1, and one, so they have yep. teams that are winning games there and outside the conference as well. And so, you know, Scott Frost, it was a good training ground for him, and he's about ready to move on. If they'll, they'll play their cards right and get the next, maybe they'll get a hot assistant or someone of that nature, they can keep it rolling in Central Florida. Exactly right, AP. And I, and I say this with, you know, with some pretty good experience in that I covered for years uh, recently, youth national championships, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, where I literally witnessed the Florida teams winning uh, these national championships at all three levels, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, including all three at the same in the same year. And most of the teams are from Broward County, which is that area north of Miami, uh, near or in Fort Lauderdale. So that's like the epicenter of the talent, I believe. St. Thomas Aquinas High School and I believe Fort Lauderdale area has more players in the NFL than any other high school in America. So, you know, th th there's a lot of evidence as to why this is happening. Um, so, yeah, it's just pretty amazing. Uh, so, good for UCF and USF. I, I hope they continue to play well and really get the attention for both themselves and the AAC. Oh, oh yeah, no question, John. Just take a look at um, UCF this season. They went to Maryland 
in the Big Ten and, right. and won 38 to 10. Exactly. I know. It's on the road. What they're I doing mean, is. To have, yeah, to have won the game would have been fine. Okay. You, this is to a Maryland team that went to Texas and put 51 on the Longhorns. Right. It's, it's so impressive. So I'm glad we uh, had a chance to talk about it. Today's the day as they both sit there undefeated in the top 20 and good for them. Well, AP, hard to believe it's, uh, this segment's up. It's uh, time to take our final break. Still have a few more things to get to on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly caller expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And my pick of the weekend week for appointment viewing is Penn State, Ohio State, this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Could be the game of the year. Certainly is, in my mind, up till now. Um, and A.P., as I talked right off the bat to begin the show, the Penn State-Michigan whiteout was really something to behold. Saquon Barkley goes 69 yards on the second play from scrimmage. And uh, I won't say the route was on because Michigan, to their credit, battled back, kept it close, but then Penn State ran away in the second half. But uh, uh, I'm going to say again what I said last week. Uh, I think Penn State-Alabama for the national championship has a shot. We'll know a lot more after this Saturday, though. That's for sure. Yeah, I think so. They have that gauntlet out against it's Ohio State and then Michigan State, if I'm not correct. So if they come through those three games consecutive weekends, that's quite a run. Well, it really is AP. And, uh, you know, obviously I saw Nebraska-Ohio State play in person nine days ago. I'm talking mostly about Nebraska, but, you know, now that we're on this topic, the fact is I did witness Ohio State right in front of me ring up 56 on the Cornhuskers, and 
It was quite the offensive show. JT Barrett is back to being JT Barrett, uh, if he ever really left. Um, They're looking awesome. They had a bye week. Penn State had one last week. Um, It should be spectacular. Obviously, obviously it's in the horseshoe. Uh, This is it. This is it. This is the this is the, the the true big Penn State test. We all remember what happened last year, where Ohio Penn State blocks the kick and uh, everything changes instantly in an instant for the Penn State football team and the university itself. As a matter of fact, uh, on one block kick, Ohio State hasn't forgotten that. Penn State hasn't forgotten that Ohio State was chosen above them go to the college football playoffs. Both sides have a lot of incentives and to say the least. I I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to see that game. Uh, It's going to be tremendous. And um, I hope the weather cooperates. I mean, you like to see it played where uh, there's not a rain or snow or something that I see the, the teams exhibit all their speed and athletic ability and, and everyone's playing on it. A good, good football field, you know, and uh, Ohio State, it's, they're hosting them in Columbus. And, Correct. You know, so they have, have a little bit of an advantage, maybe. But oh, yeah, State, absolutely. But, but Penn State, they're playing tremendous now. Can you can you corral that running back enough to um, let your let your offense get on the field? That's the question. And then uh, is Ohio State going to make any mistakes like they did last year? I don't know. No one knows, but those are some of the factors that we'll find out who's going to win that football game. And then after Penn State is in Columbus, like I say, they go to East Lansing, and usually Michigan State's pretty tough against against Penn State at home. Absolutely. No doubt about that. So it's not all about this Saturday, but it sure feels like it's sitting here today. Uh, Yep, it's going to be great stuff. I mean, Penn State had a little, uh, I won't call it a warm-up, but they went into Iowa and pulled off that game-winning drive at the end. So they, they know how to do yeah. it on the road in front of a, a loud, hostile crowd in the Big Ten. And uh, But Iowa's great, but it's not quite uh, Columbus. And I drove through Iowa, by the way, from going from Omaha to Chicago. I literally drove right, by, right through Iowa City where... The Hawkeyes are located where Penn State won the game that night. So that was kind of cool. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, spe- and, oh, by the way, you know, I wasn't all, I was seeing signs for uh, Indiana as I start approaching Chicago, as in the state of Indiana, which brings me to our next topic. Can't be, got to mention this one, Notre Dame, which is only 90 miles from Chicago. Uh, they laid one on USC like we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I'm watching the Penn State game, flipping over a little bit to Game 7 of the Astros-Yankees, not even having time to check in on USC-Notre Dame and what pops up, but 28 to nothing, Notre Dame's ahead, and I literally just about fell off my chair. I was shocked, and it got worse from there. Yeah, I didn't expect Notre Dame to uh, win by that margin. I thought they would defeat the Trojans, but nobody could have ever expected. I think that's the worst points, the most points scored in the loss or something since maybe was 51 years ago or something, the worst defeat in that series, or I think. Right. Yeah, 51 years ago. So, yeah, 
USC has struggled. And their quarterback has not played well. He's been projected as the top quarterback this year and might come out to the NFL. I, I don't know whose advisors might be, but I think he needs to come back another year. Or, yeah, his, uh, yes, good observation. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he might say, I want to get out of here right now because things are not good. If, you know, somebody's willing to take him, you know, that's, but right now, uh, I don't see him as uh, being ready. Right. I agree, AP. Uh, wish he'd have thrown a few more of those passes that he threw on Saturday night against uh, Penn State in the Rose Bowl. But um, right. anyway, yeah, he their star has fallen and his star has fallen along with USC's very fast. As in a matter of a couple of weeks, it's just like, but it bottomed out on Saturday night. And uh Wow. Uh, yeah. really kind of yeah. a shocker. Oh, so yeah. At least you know, he, he was leading a charmed yeah, he, life up until Saturday night. Correct, yeah, correct, John. Excuse me. But he, but he doesn't play defense. He's not on correct. the defense. So he didn't give up 49, 49 Yeah, You know, even if he threw an interception there, whatever, you know, I don't think he did for a touchdown. But, you know, even if he did, I mean, he doesn't play defense. So there's, they have more issues than just their offense uh, at USC. I mean, there's no way that you you, you – Go into the rivals' uh, stadium and you get stomped by thirty-five points and give up, you know, half a hundred almost. Uh, you know, worse than fifty-one years. So they have quite a few other issues. I mean, you heard that talk of USC being back, and I'm thinking you're, you're not back when you lose two, three games a year. I mean, it's nice you won some games and they won the Rose Bowl, but you're not back. I mean, back means you're you're in the that's this Final Four. Correct. For somebody like USC, for somebody like USC, or or you're one of the teams that maybe they excluded. Let's say, you know, maybe it's not it's not a perfect system. They only have four teams. You know, maybe you're the fifth or the sixth team. You say, oh, we're we were right close. We're, we we're back. But I don't I don't I think USC are the ways before they can make that claim. Oh, no doubt about it. No, this no other way to say it. A gigantic setback for USC, and been a little critical of Brian Kelly on this show. In the past, so I uh, got to hand it to them. You know, I, I didn't know that they were capable of putting together the type of year they put together so far. Keep in mind, their only loss was to Georgia, top five team, by I believe one point. Um, one point. One yeah. Point. So, again, Ryan Kelly deserves uh, some accolades because I didn't know that. I didn't know that. This was possible, quite frankly, given the last year or two at Notre Dame. But here it is. So, again, hats off to him. Uh, he deserves some praise, given that we, we, me, uh, have maybe been a little critical of him in the past. So, uh, yeah, he's got it together, got it going. They're back in the conversation, to say the least. Oh, oh yeah, John, their defense, I guess, has been the difference because they haven't had out, out any outrageous scores in the 30s. The highest was 20 points. That was against. That was in your neck of the woods at Boston College, and they Correct. held, you know, held held Georgia to the twenty and the loss, and everything else has been, you know, ten, seventeen, nineteen. But they have they have a, a pretty tough schedule remaining. North Carolina State is at home. They have to travel to Miami and then at Stanford. So they, there's some three games there. You know, I'm not even including the Navy game, which has given them trouble through the years. Oh, yeah. And Wake Forest come, Wake Forest comes down. Navy comes to town as well. So. But they have a challenging uh, um, five games ahead of them. No doubt. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. And AP, hard to believe. We've come to the end of the show.
thank you as always for calling in and for your great perspective. Hey, John, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.